Welcome to a Night Shift Football Podcast Red Edition. We're back for another week and it's a grim week, I tell you. We've been on a little bit of an up the other weeks. Uh, we had the dinner, we've had, oh, we had, we lost to Melbourne City, but it wasn't all bad. Was it? Was it all bad? It was all bad. It was pretty bad. It was wasn't, pretty bad. It wasn't um, this bad. It wasn't this bad, though. <laughs> and in, in the context of the rest of the season, everything else feels good because Saturday night bloody sucked, I'll tell you that. Uh, Tom's with me again, as you would have just heard. Cooper's here, as you would have just heard. Boys, what are we doing with this? Uh, Adelaide nil, Central Coast 4. I don't really know where to start. Like, this game had all the energy of it sapped out pretty quickly by the Mariners, and uh, we, we never really recovered. Uh, don't, don't throw to the guy that wasn't there. Cooper, you should go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made the right decision. I skipped this fucking uh, thing. Thanks for being honest with our audience, at least. It's a good one. Um, are we doing lineup? Are we, are we just talking lineup? Oh, you can if you want. You talk about whatever the hell you want, mate. Yeah. Um, the Mariners, nine or is it maybe even 10 undefeated now after this <laughs> yeah. game against United on the weekend? I think, I think it's 11. And, and you tried to tell me that last week would have been a. Uh, Trial by fire for Paniotis Kikianis, but <laughs> he Cole decided that Ben Wallen's A League career was over and done, <laughs> over. and, and Paniotis Kikianis was going to make his debut at oh, centre back next to a midfielder against the form team of the competition. Mm. Mm. Yes, mm. Mm. are we just? Mm. I don't, I, I don't know what goes through this man's head sometimes. And, and this isn't, well, just quickly, this is no blight on Panna because having watched no. him in the youth team, he's worked hard for this opportunity and he deserves it. And long may there be many more Paniotis Kikiana starts for Adelaide United. But this wasn't it. That back four was horribly exposed by a, a midfield that wasn't up to it on the day. I uh, was having a bad day and we're not, uh, like, we've all heard the Stefan Mork post-game thing about the energy levels and the the effort people were putting in. And we talked last week about our biggest problems against City was they they only scored the one goal. They only looked dangerous for the first five, ten minutes, and that's when they had we were giving them all this space to get at our fullbacks and our and our centre backs. And it was the same again. And Theo Harris and Angel Torres just were able to do what they want. And Central Coast scored three pretty nice goals, I guess. Mm, but they were made they were good quality goals. But they were made so easy by us just putting such little pressure on them. Training ground pressure, or not even tra- you'd expect better at training. I think the that, pressure in some of these positions. That's what but, I wanted to ask you: is like, do you want to draw fault on anyone in particular for the first goal? Because I felt like it summed up most of how the game went. It just it looked like everyone lost their individual battle along the way, like Kikianis against Quell, Torres against Izzy, and then Kiddo against the Aharis. I, I can't. Fault any individuals really. I just think it's just all round. It's one of those games. I'm to be honest with you. Like I'm now that I think about, it, like it was such a bad game. It was so bad that I'm ready to just throw it out and not even be too worried about it. If that makes sense. That, and that, that's the end of the podcast. Everybody. Just to be like, well, you know, what are the odds? All like eleven guys on the pitch play that poorly again. Like that was, yeah. I can't single out any individuals. Just a, a horrible team effort all day. Yeah, um, you made a great comment. If if we're going to go away from this game sucking, because we can sit here for 20 minutes and talk about how shit Adelaide were and, and props to the Mariners, but yeah. I don't really think there's a, a hell of a lot of things to talk about in regards to it. 
But you made a comment before about the post was completely irrelevant, but someone on Facebook had had made a comment that we need to get away from this myth that Adelaide just play kids because our average age is the same as what the uh, what yep. the Mariners have and they've battered us and they've got 10 undefeated in a row. Um, and we've said it from the start and a million times over that it's it's less about the blooding of the kids because we're all for it, but it's about getting who your senior players are right and where they come from right. And yep. Angel Torres has now scored ten goals in the in the A League men's this season uh, to replace Marco Tullio, who was one of the better players in the A League while he was here. Definitely, who was branded with the unfortunate job of replacing Jason Cummins when he left mm. Central Coast <laughs> after a championship last season. So the Mariners have whatever they've done to they've find these right. attackers have found. Three attack, three foreign attackers in the obviously come dog the Australian part, but three attackers from overseas that have come into the league in the last eighteen months and scored ten or more league goals. I don't remember. I reckon we could count on one hand how many foreign forwards we've had score more than ten, 10 or more goals in an A League season in the entire twenty years that the club has existed. Ooh, what would it be now? Can I do that? Um, I mean, but it kind of. This is why the Socceroos don't have strikers, right? Because of the fucking Mariners. Yeah, sure. That's the road you want to go down. That's where we're going to turn this pod into. Don't worry about Adelaide. The Socceroos don't have strikers because the Mariners are good at finding overseas talent. Um, I, I, perhaps we can just talk a bit more about the night in general, but Cooper, we experienced Club United. I don't know if you've ever done Club United before that your first time. Yep. Uh, but that's the first time I've been up there. So that's obviously the new area of the Eastern Stand since that was done up for the Women's World Cup. It's the first time I've been up there. Essentially just a big room uh, with a bar at each end, a big glass wall with some uh, some bar tables and stools in there so you can watch the game. Um, yeah, uh, uh, a weird experience. I, I'm not sure. It's one of those things, if you want to go drink, by all means, go get yourself a ticket or if you, even better if you know someone who can help you out with one. Uh, we'll shout out Go Sunny Solar here because they they helped us get in there on that night with their, their major sponsorship of Adelaide United. Um, helped us out with a couple of tickets, got us in there, and we had a great night and good fun with everyone. But in terms of watching football, uh, a very social kind of feeling. The game kicked off and I hadn't quite realised because... The just the room didn't change. There were just people everywhere, just talking, kind of socialising, networking, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then only we kind of walked outside, and they've got the doors there. You go out, padded seats, by the way. They got cushions on them. Um, oh, bloody the, dark! The Jesus. finer things. How, how did you um, go after, break in one of them? After staring at the sun for the first 10, 15 minutes, we were finally able to see, and we we sat outside. Um, but unfortunately, it was just the game was kind of over within a few minutes when Central Coast got on top and Adelaide never looked dangerous. Um, there was nearly 12,000 people there Saturday night, a great crowd. Once again, Adelaide fans doing what they do and supporting the state's teams and getting behind them. And they just deserved so much better than what they got. And <laughs> I had a mate that was still, well, we all had mates in the Northern end, but uh, I had a mate sitting up near where we usually do up near the scoreboard. And he said the same thing there, but that like, the crowd weren't into it. Everyone around them was just talking and just kind of having their own conversations just because the team had given them nothing to engage with at all. 
Yeah, I had a woman sitting next to me that tapped me on the arm and asked me how long the half went for. So they weren't there for the football. Um, I, guess, I guess that's the kind of experience that, that you get with these things. Um, I had a really great night up there. Like I said, shout yeah. out Go Sunny Solar. And it was it was a good experience. I'm, I'm not convinced that I, I'd do it again, not off the basis of that's no blight on Club United because if that's your thing, awesome experience. Absolutely, yeah. And jump in and do it because in comparison to the – Australian outdoor living deck and the the price of the corporate boxes yeah. on the far side. This is a it's a pretty well it's a great value for money experience if that's the kind of thing you're into. I it's think just not our thing, but is it? In terms of watching football and and coming on here on a Monday night and talking shit about it, I think I need that bird's eye view from the north end to to see how bad we were from a better perspective. <laughs> I spent one one time in the Western Stand corporate box. This was like years yeah. and years ago, and like you know, it's it's open bar, so you can do whatever you want. You're just pulling drinks out of the fridge. And then at some point in the night, I in my mind, it clicked like, there's no atmosphere up here. I think I have to be the person that starts the atmosphere up here. Needless to say, 10 minutes later, they'll walk me out of the corporate box. And that was the last time I ever went in one. <laughs> yeah, I've been up there as well. And it, a similar experience, like lot, just lots of socializing going on, you know. Um, it's more networking. It's, it's definitely very, uh, it's very, very out the back of the test match vibe That's, in the SACA mm. members. That is, I did actually look up the the Club United area on the website, and one of the the benefits, uh, if you will, of, that it says comes with the Club United experience is the opportunity to network with other businesses related to Adelaide United. And, yeah. So I think that, that is what you got, that is what they're going for. That's what it's there. Did for. you guys yeah. spread the NSF word though? Were you telling them that we no. have a podcast? Oh no, come on, it's a missed opportunity. Was it? What do you want I, us to do? Uh, Just walk around yelling NSF? Pretty people. much. I want you to open up their phones and put it in their Spotify feed. I'm not sure if either of you had anything else on on Adelaide in this game against the Mariners, but I want to talk a little bit of other A-League if we can. Yeah, I think we should. I I don't know. Like, Tom, do you have anything else on the... All we're going to do is sit and whinge and say all the same stuff we've already said. Um, Unless either of you... Unless you want to say a word or two on Steph Moore. Yeah, put the armband on him. I love him. Put the armband? Definitely. Okay. Wouldn't be surprised to see him have it at the start of next season. Um, I made a comment on a conversation with a couple of friends of the show during the week that I do not think Ryan Kiddo is built to be a captain in this league. And that's no blight on Ryan Kiddo because he was given this opportunity because to me, he was the the guy that made sense, right? Once Craig Goodman left the club, he was a South Australian that had worked for everything he had and and props to him because he still deserves everything he has, whether he's been good or not this season. He had a wild Um, season last season that kind of, he, he earned it. But to, to me, there is no, I've not once seen seen him do or heard him say anything that makes me view him as a leader in comparison no. to what I have in previous seasons. And then Stefan Mork's back for 10 minutes, does an interview with 10 after the game. And, and I've watched this interview sitting there thinking like, now there's a guy that, that, not that they don't all, but there's a guy that is passionate and is willing to push he wants his club to succeed and is willing to push that forward. He doesn't want to, whether it's a pit stop or not for him, he doesn't want to lose while he's here. Yeah. I, I agree that that is true, but you've also got to remember that Steph Mork seems like a trained media personnel. Like the guy knows how to, he, like he's got his own podcast and he even yeah. remarked to, was it Burford that was in, interviewing him, that if he wasn't playing football, he would be in the stands or he would be next to him where he was standing. So he's obviously, he knows how to, he knows how to speak to but the this media. Is- this is what, but this is whole. This is all part of captaincy. I think people underrate what Stefan Mork does on a face of the club level as a captain. That being able to be that guy that. 
10 is going to come and go, hey, we need an interview with Adelaide United where Stefan Mork every single mm. time because they know yeah. how good he is to deal with. That is part of being a captain of a football club because it takes so much outside pressure off the rest of the squad. Yeah. And if you mm. can give four minutes like you did, like really impassioned four minutes. I'm not taking anything away from the speech. You did sound genuine. And I love Steph Mork. I love that he's back. I think it's a huge signing. It's not quite the statement signing I thought it was going to be two months ago because I had a feeling we were going to we were going to win the league when he came back, but that's obviously <laughs> not going to happen now. Um, but it's going to be almost, I'm hoping it's almost, remember when we signed Flores um, at the beginning of Feb when we finished second bottom, maybe it was, and he had this incredible game against Brisbane where he scored an assist and we beat him 2-1. And that kind of built us for the next season, just seeing a quality player like that um, being integrated into the squad. And let's, fingers crossed, with the amount of fucking money we've made in the last year, that you can get two more really good players next to Mork in and around him, centre back, striker, wherever you want to put them, and just build the youth around three core guys. That's pretty much all you need in the A League. Look at how the Mariners are doing it. They lose Tilio and Cumdog, they replace him with Qual and Torres. Like it's very, it's not that hard actually to build a good side in the A League. Yeah, I think um, just to throw a bit of caution on it. I, I I was thrilled with the signing of Mork, but I I did see his post-game interview. I approached it with a little tinge of cynicism, I think, like you were saying, Tommy. I think um it's I think it's just people know what to say in those positions sometimes. He knows what to say. Um he also did come on and turn the ball over a bunch of times and wasn't very good and then got booked for descent. <laughs> so, you know, I I think he's going to be a great signing for us. I'm just I'm not you know, I'm not just jumping through hoops though over this little speech after the game. I agree with the sentiment. Uh, I just hope he, I just, what I want to see from him now is for him to show us that he means it. And I'm sure he will. All right. Um, so until I see that, then we'll be go. We'll be good to go. Um, Cooper, you wanted to talk some other A-League stuff. What have you got for us? I'm sure yeah. I know where you're heading here. Let's go. Let's get Melbourne City and Tolgay Arsenal out of the way. First yep, and, and foremost, on. I think this is the quicker one. I'm not sure if you actually saw this at all, Tom, because you, you hadn't responded in the group chat to the to the original message. But um, essentially, the independent MRP considered an incident after the final whistle of Melbourne City FC's Isuzu A-League men match against Perth Glory on Friday, 2nd of February, in which Tolgate Arslan received a re- direct red card after the final whistle. Um, he was issued the red card by the referee, um, the MRP determined that Arsenal committed the offence of use of offensive, insulting or abusive language and or gestures towards a match official. And the minimum sanction for the offence is a one match being the mandatory match suspension. Now, I don't know what this guy has said or done to this official slash group of officials, but this uh, mandatory match suspension of one game has been raised to four by the match review panel, four game suspension for whatever he has said. Um, and Should now, we speculate on what he said? Should we just all have a guess? Well, they, they've now been told um, that the MRP, since the, the next part of the MRP has formed the view that a sanction of greater than four matches is warranted for this offence, and therefore Oof. it's been referred the matter directly to the Disciplinary and Ethics Committee for a hearing and determination of an additional sanction should be imposed upon the minimum sanction. So they're looking to raise this from four games, potentially six plus. He's He definitely called... The referee's son, a shit goalkeeper. Dumbbell Arslan. Joseph yeah. Arslan. I think this is really negative. I don't think we want we want to be seeing this. We, we get in on Monday and we do a fair bit of referee bashing, but let's not make these guys feel <laughs> unsafe yeah, we're the, in, in we're their the paying occupations. Fans. 
Yeah, I don't want to see him bashed or someone go out and physically hurt them or chase down the race even. Just that it's intimidating in itself, that action. Yep. Cool. We we saw in England as well, the the fan come on the pitch and chase uh, the Port Vale game, chase the referee down the tunnel. This is bad. And if you see players do it, it's only going to instigate fans more to react in a certain way. Yeah, I agree. Um, Moving on from that, MacArthur Western Sydney is obviously the other game that I want to talk about. Um, the Sunday afternoon game. We actually didn't watch a whole bunch of this because we were at the baseball watching the Giants win a second Claxton Shield in a row. If we can get a bit of South Australian love in there quickly. Here we go, Giants. Here we go. <laughs> there it is. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but further on the South Australian love, I'll start with Lockie Brook, two goals and an assist in this game. And then Rafael Borges Rodriguez, who we've spoken about previous weeks, also scoring in this one. So, Adelaide United lost 4-0 to the Mariners at home on a Saturday evening. And then the next day, two South Australians combined for four goal involvements. So pretty hard weekend to be be a United supporter, potentially. Why won't our South Australians do that? Just standing there poking them with a stick like, look, look, it happens. Do it. Um, The controversial part of this game was uh, obviously Valerie Germain, great player in this league, scored a hat-trick. Um, including the 93rd minute winner that we'll also get to because it was just as controversial as the rest. Um, this guy had an incident during this game where he essentially went down. Um, there was a challenge between, I believe it was Beedling and, uh, yeah, Tom Beedling and Uli Devia. They went down a little bit of a tangle and they both got up normally. And then Jermaine really weirdly came sprinting in, fell over the top of uh, Tom Beedling. And then while he's on the floor, he quite clearly kicks out twice at Tom Beedling while he's on the floor. This is as much of a red card as I've seen in any incident in the league this season so far. Um, Then we've seen online today that uh, allegedly head of referees Nathan McGill has come out and said that the studs of Jermaine's boots did not make contact with the body of Beedling, so it was deemed not to be violent conduct. Um, This goes back to a ridiculous precedent we've set, and uh, our mate that... Our Twitter friend, Rory Flanagan, Tom, he uh, he came out and he said, so essentially, Your Honour, the defendant was driving on the wrong side of the road going 100 kilometres per hour over the speed limit, but he didn't make contact with any other vehicles. Therefore, this cannot be considered dangerous driving. No, if it doesn't hurt anyone, the act itself cannot be punished. How, it's how very many, simple. How many times in football, including when Nathan McGill came out last week to to double down on the Patrick Wood red card against Sydney, Nathan McGill said, we have to remember that these people, that these referees are taught and correctly instructed to officiate games based on incident, not outcome. And then this week, I'm, we're doubling down, going the complete, complete opposite direction. I'm, I'm weary of it this week because I've only seen it by a couple of people on Twitter and not any official kind of source, but I, I don't doubt it though either, which is really what's the the alarming part is we can see stuff like this and go, oh, well, it must be true because they this is what they do all the time. They double down on their bad choices and their bad decisions. We went off last week about the Pat Woodred card and now we've got this. Um, I don't understand how it's not given. I just simply don't understand. I Regardless of whether McGill has made comment on this after the game, how has this gone to VAR and the guy sitting in the booth has clearly seen what everyone else has seen, that Jermaine has stomped on a guy twice while on the ground intentionally and just gone, nah, nah, don't think don't think it got him. He yeah. can stay out there. Just and, a disgrace. And then he's gone on to score, to score a hat-trick and, and win this game for MacArthur, yeah. 4-3 at the death. Um, in the 93rd minute with a goal, the, I don't know, 
what you make it. I don't think anyone can look at this replay and definitively tell you whether it's a goal or it's not a goal. To me, I'm I'm seventy five percent. It wasn't across the line. I'm twenty five percent on like on the other side because you can't really tell. But we can't be giving these goals if we're not sure, right? Because I know we don't have the goal line technology system there to save us because it's too expensive, whatever. But this goal is close to the goal line. We've got to be at a point where we can go. You know, isn't this the whole not give it scenario? And if it's definitely over the goal line, then VAR will still be able to see that it's over the goal line, and they'll give the goal. Well, that's that's the thing is we don't we didn't have the angle to be able to definitively say yes, it's over the line, so it's a goal. And so then you refer back to the on field decision, which the I think the assistant referee uh, on the touchline said that it was a goal. And so I'm I'm fine with that. It doesn't look like a goal from the angle that we have, but the angle that we have is very deceptive because it does look about. 10 yards deep of where we need to be. Yeah. My- I'm not that outraged by it. Like what I like if we don't have the the issue is more that we just don't have a camera in the spot to see a goal line. Yeah. I don't know how hard that can be. You know, just we don't we don't even need we don't need the, like the watch. We don't need the buzz on the watch or the goal line tech if you just set up a camera on the byline. Like I mean like let's well, just get a look at my, it. My thought process with this is that, and I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was a great take, but I think even better with the camera on the goal line is if someone takes a, say we take a corner and the two defenders come off the post and a flick on header gets played and someone scores at the back post and he's right on the goal line, but he's potentially offside. We are going to have to have a side on angle from near to the goal line. So we can sit there and we can draw lines to decide if this guy's offside. Does that not mean that we should have a should not have a camera angle where potentially we could I know we'll look like fucking idiots for not just having goal line technology to the rest of the world, but if we've got a camera <laughs> on the inside of that goalpost, can we not, you know, freeze frame the footage from the camera on the inside of this goalpost and draw the lines on the ball just like we draw the lines on a player? Mm. I don't oh, disagree cool. with that. The the thing with the goal line tech is I don't given that we don't own our own, uh, own our own stadiums the cost to be able to consistently have that in there is just, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. So I can understand why they don't want to do it. And you are going to find how many moments of this throughout the season, two, three, four, maybe at like a real stretch, five. It doesn't yeah. happen that often. So I can see why we try and just fly by without goal line tech. I'd but, almost yeah. be happy with someone standing on the byline with a phone in their hand at this point. Like, I just, <laughs> where's the social media team? What are we doing? Like and then once it like like you said, Tommy, I'm I'm kind of fine with it if the if the assistant has like thinks it's in and he wants to give it, then so be it. Uh, it's really unfortunate for the other team. It is what it is. You can argue either way. I don't think it crossed the line, but I'm not 100 percent sure either. And I'm okay with sticking with the the assistant there. It's just the issue is that we shouldn't have to. We should be able to get a clear view of whether this ball's over the line or not. We're meant to be running a professional fucking football competition. And we can't tell if balls have crossed the line into the actual goal or not. The crucial <laughs> aspect of this sport, a sport most where important we, bit. we get so many games where there aren't any goals or where one goal decides it more than any other sport in the world, you know? And we don't have any way of knowing if this ball was over the line or not. What do we, we need to get Robbie Slater out there to just <laughs> hold a ball in his hand and tell us how curves work. Bloody hell, it does my head in. And I don't know what we're doing. Um, Cooper, uh, I want to move it on, but I'm I'm sure we all want to get to Mark Rudan. <laughs> yeah, um, Mark Rudan with his Aurelio Vidmar pissant town moment, uh, potentially. Aurelio spec. 
I uh, look, I I think by sitting down and saying that there was a vendetta against his football club as the opening line of his press conference, mm. he might have discredited everything he said for the next ten minutes a little bit. Oh, but I out, agree. out outside, there was a stigma, the, Cooper, a stigma, a stigma against stigma, Western sorry. Sydney. Out, outside of the uh, the stigma against the Wanderers, <laughs> I'm pretty much in agreement with every single word that this guy said <laughs> from that point onwards. I did. I have to. I did see on. Twitter, just before we came on, I saw a bunch of people, uh, X, sorry, I saw a bunch of people sharing videos of things that had happened against their club that had gone unpunished and just just quoting, there's a stigma against my football club. I saw a, uh, I saw a tweet that Tom will love that said that there actually was goal line footage of Valerie Main's winner on the weekend, but someone left it on a dodgy USB in a McDonald's, so they were hey, They deleted it because there's a stigma. <laughs> Oh, mate, if only Mel McLaughlin was there to tell us what happened. So Mark Rudan, I I think, like, he's – I told you guys in the group chat, it reminded me of Nestory last week where it's the best and worst thing that's going on at the moment. He's said a lot right, uh, but I think we all agree with him about the red card, Jermaine. It's just a disgrace, and I I kind of – I don't want a world where all the coaches are just berating referees nonstop for everything that happens in a game – but I do want to see when it's consistently as bad as, as it is in this country and when it's – because it we're talking monumental howlers that we get in this league with officiating, monumental howlers again and again and again uh, that the whole footballing community seems to be on board with uh, that it's wrong. Everyone except the referees and they double down on it and so he's blown up about it and I, I really like this. Uh, someone – who's higher than just, you know, a bunch of dudes sitting around on a podcast, needs to start calling it out. Needs to start calling it out because it's a disgrace. And he's absolutely right with just about all of it. Uh, but then he goes and attaches, he thinks there's a bias against Western Sydney, which I think is pretty interesting after you just there, had Unite Round in your city. There were some interesting thought bubbles that connect, tried to connect all the dots together. I'd like, I, I agree with you. I think it would be great if we could actually question referees and get their decision-making process behind it and not just this fluff press release that says, okay, let's find an excuse as to why Jermaine wasn't going to be sent off because he should have been sent off and everyone knows it. Yep. Um, The the interesting aspect I think is when Rudin like names him and tries to like Adam Kersey or he actually, he he does the really alpha move. Yeah. He does the really alpha move of mispronouncing his last name. Yeah. (laughs) Was him Kersey or and pretends he doesn't know his name as well. <laughs> and then yeah, tries to say this guy that I don't know his name actually has a vendetta against me and hates me. And that's why we suffer. I I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. Which is such a shame because he should have just kept to the facts of the situation. Yeah. That is that it was, you know, the rules of the league are not being uh, in, uh, consistently and correctly applied week to week, game to game. And there's no I don't think there is a bias anywhere in this league because no. I think every every A-League fan will say that their team is, you know, yeah. uh, conspired against because the refereeing is so bad. You're I've the worst for fans. I'm the worst for it. <laughs> Fuck oath I am. Jesus Christ. That's because everyone hates Adelaide because they don't respect us. And but Leeds. That's, and Leeds, yeah. Well, whatever about Leeds. This is a red edition pod. We're talking about Australia. Uh, Sorry, I, see victory fans, I see victory fans online say that they're the team that are the most biased and um you know yeah 
wrongly adjudicated against. And you look at it and you think that can't be possibly the case because you guys are one of the most successful in the league. It doesn't make any sense. But that's just how bad the officiating is. And so it's good to see. I appreciate that. I like what he did. Um, I really enjoyed him answering just two questions and then leaving after six minutes. I thought that was great. I uh, nuffies everywhere. <laughs> last thing I have on the on the external A League before we wrap this up. Um, I'm not sure if either of you even know this is happening because I think outside. Oh, are you, are you of, moving uh, us on from Rudan? I am. If that's okay. Okay. Can I just finish? Oh, Sorry. Yo, oh, you got one more. I got yeah, one more I got too. one more. All right. Um, I think what I there is a thing. There is a thing in Sydney. Uh, Tom, I don't think you agree with it as much as I do, but I I know it mm. exists. There is a stigma in New South Wales that is certainly. Um, pro SFC, anti West Sydney. That's like kind of a, a class sentiment that's felt in New South Wales. That the posh East Siders with their beaches yep. and that—that's why they call them East Sydney, okay? And that's why they there's always been a thing with Sydney taking the piss out of Western Sydney because they're you know they're the poorer suburbs and things like that. And that does exist, but I I think Rudan's maybe conflating that <laughs> a little and blurring it with the way his club is treated by referees and that's just simply not the case. So I think there is there is some sort of stigma there. But in a mm. New South Wales, Sydney only context, but in the broader that's stage, it. yeah, absolutely not. Uh, what were you going to say, Tommy? He does lean on that uh, working class. Uh, he said it in this press conference, the uh, the multiculturalism and the diverse nature of the fan base. Yeah. And he did he did rightly highlight that the fan base is mistreated by the police and the, you know, the wider community and stuff. Yeah, sure. Yep. So I agree with you. I agree with you. My favorite part of this whole press conference was like in the middle of this rant, this ramble, this sook, whatever you want to call it, you know, the the beginning of it when Rudin's just sat down and he's like clearly fuming and everyone's anticipating a rampage. And so there's this one journo that's like, I, I really need to ask this, opens up, <laughs> interjects everybody. So uh, Brandon Borello, a surprise to be included in the extended squad. What can we, when can we expect him back? And Rudan goes, He'll play next week, <laughs> yeah. and then the next, and then the next question from a young lady was, uh, "Yeah, how do you feel about the game?" And it's off we go, Done. we're off. <laughs> All right, Cooper, you got one more thing for us, yeah? Yeah, last thing. Um, if you're bored tomorrow, if you listen to this podcast in the morning, it'll be today. Um, but one thirty p.m. On Tuesday afternoon, Adelaide time, uh, God's country, you can sit down in front of your TV and watch the A-League top of the table clash between the Wellington Phoenix and the Central Coast Mariners kicking at one, kicking off at 1.30pm tomorrow afternoon. Now, this, uh, this has copped a, a lot, lot of, a, a lot of hate from, from the, the rest of the league. You'll just shine a little bit of a light on this. So I've been a, a huge critic of the scheduling delivered by the A-League and the APL this season. Um, this is brilliant. This is going to be a massive crowd. Um, in New Zealand tomorrow, it is uh, Waitangi Day, which is oh, the National right. Day of New Zealand, uh, celebrating the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, and they're expecting a packed crowd at Sky Stadium for oh, a top of the I'm table on board clash. Then. And for the people that have come out and said, even if this is like good for the people, what about the rest of the league? What about the Mariners supporters? What about the people that uh, watch the game on TV and your Paramount coverage, da-da-da? This Wellington team self-funded itself to live away from home in Wollongong for two whole years away from their families so this league could be a legitimate competition. Who are we to withhold them playing a home top-of-the-table clash on their national day and packing out a stadium? Fuck um, oath. Great sentiment. And that's how the league should operate. Every team should be able to exploit their best features on their best days. And this is the perfect example. So it's just 
magic scheduling. If they do get 20K plus, this is going to be brilliant. I love that. What I would come back to, however, is like, you know, uh, I only know this now because you've told me. Why haven't I seen a single piece of That's A-League marketing on this? On yeah, any channel, you know, and I'm hanging channel. out. I'm hanging out a lot of my day and a lot of my time. You know, we do a lot of work on social media and stuff, and we're we're scrolling through stuff all the time, looking for things. And obviously, all my algorithms are football. Why have I not seen one single thing about it? Then, you know, yeah, perfect. Um, as well, the only reason that I know this is happening is because I've involved in so many Twitter circles around the A-League that has been full of people arguing over the complaint or love for this scheduling, not yeah. particularly from the A-League, who only made a post three hours ago talking about this game is the first one I've actually seen them make. Um, a, a great point from uh, his name's Nick, a guy that I follow on Twitter, um, made a great point Ooh. that they... they <laughs> sorry, X, dead named again. <laughs> they are actually really good scheduling. I felt that the APL haven't lent into the local public holiday scheduling enough. We're in a hole with Paramount. Let's look at bums in seats before we worry about TV figures. Great point. Um, seasonal tradition starting from next season, Wellington versus Auckland on Waitangi Day with a rotating oh, home beautiful. team will be, will be a great day to play a derby for this country. Yeah, yeah. You that. talk about leaning into public holidays. That um, Easter Friday game we had against Sydney where we sold it out. This is just pick your market. Know what pe- it's Adelaide, of course. Everything's closed. We want something mm. to do. Do and it properly, and then let people know it's on. <laughs> yeah, that, at the very um, minimum. Just like Cooper has let these people know when this pod comes out Wednesdays, so that game will be gone, man. But uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't know if we were back to the Tuesday morning upload. <laughs> no, it's uh, so the Euro Pod Tuesday. Tuesday you know what? Maybe morning. I'll maybe I'll get off. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll make a Facebook post do it and let everyone know. You should. You should do that. I encourage it. Um, yeah. If you want to go back, we we'll have a uh, uh, episode one hundred and forty three will be out. We talked about the Socceroos bowing out of the Asian Cup. That'll be out Tuesday, Cooper. So that's uh, that's tomorrow. We're recording Monday night. Europod out Tuesday. Uh, I say Europod as as we talk about the Socceroos, but we also talk about the Premier League, the best bits from that. We've got an update on the Fantasy League, and then obviously we've got the Red Edition. So keep an eye out in your feeds. There's plenty happening. Football powers on. Adelaide, Perth this Friday night. We like to finish with all our predictions. Perth are just, uh, you know, they can see a lot of goals, but they fuck, they score a heap. We're gonna What's going to happen Friday night? What's your predictions for Adelaide, Perth? Uh, 4-3 loss. 4-3 loss. Lose. Okay. What do you got, Tommy? I agree. We're going to lose. 3-2, 3-1, something. Lovely. Uh, just, we don't have a home form. I'll We're not imperious. I'll put you down for 3-2 because I want 3-1. So 3-1 okay, Perth with a goal to... Uh, a couple to tag it, and then the the fella that came off uh, the bench. Forgive me, I've forgotten his name. The debutant who scored. Yeah, handy handy loss for Adelaide and big one for Perth. Stefan Kolakowski will miss with suspension. So big one cab off the rank. Wow, that'll uh, save us. Anasmo, Anasmo is the key. Anasmo off the bench. There you go. Yeah. Came off the bench. Nice goal. Popped it through. CFG are washed. That's my final note on this pod. See you guys. <laughs>